hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. came into Egypt, every man in his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were 70 souls, for Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph had died, and all his brothers, and all that was in his generation. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king that was over Egypt, which didn't know Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of children of Israel, they're more than mightier than we are. Come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth any any kind of war, they join also into our enemies and fight against us. So get up and get them out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. But the children of Israel were building cities, treasures for Pharaoh. The Bible says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved, the enemy was, because of the children of Israel. And Saul was consenting, Saul, we know him as Paul, before he was converted, and Saul was consenting until Stephen's death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout man of, the devout man of that area carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. But as for Saul, he made havoc for the church entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, they were scattered abroad, went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people which, with one accord, gave heed unto the things that Philip was speaking, is hearing his words and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many, that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. How can there be a dichotomy, a paradox? How can there be great joy, but great affliction? How can there be a great hope, but when you don't see any hope? How can you serve a God Has anybody ever been here? When you serve a God and you're saying, God, where are you? But you gotta come and clap and sing that song anyway. You still pray the prayers because there's people looking at you. Have you ever been praying for somebody else's healing and you're dragging your body to go do it? Have you given somebody else counsel about their marriage when yours is falling apart? Trying to encourage somebody else when you barely got your head above water. 
It's difficult sometimes. We think the growth is in our success, but I'm gonna tell you the biggest growth you'll ever go through is in your distress. Your victories or your trophies are wonderful, but don't despise the days of your struggles. See, I'd be wrong to stand up here on January 1st and say, the first 90, man, this is going to be incredible. And start leading you down a path and making you run out of the tunnel from the locker room out onto the field and you look out and it looks like you're the underdog. You can't run back into the locker room because the game's already started. You got one of two choices. You can engage in life, take on the struggle, the re- it's real, you fight, you plow, or you quit. And I've got a real prophetic edge on this word this morning, and here it is. You'll win if you don't quit. You'll win if you don't quit. You're sure of the victory. But you can't quit. You can't retreat. You can't back up. You can't back down. That means you've got to sometimes fight when you're bleeding. That means sometimes you've got to fight when you feel like you're dying. See, Joseph had an incredible position in the kingdom in Egypt. He was number two in command. Brought his whole family, his dad and everybody up there. And for years, they rejoiced and were in power. But see, something changed. Joseph died. His family, brothers died. That generation died. But then now there raises up a king in Egypt, a new pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. This pharaoh was afraid. The children of Israel were underneath him. Serving life every day, working day in and day out. Building cities for Pharaoh, afflicted, in pain, hurting, crying out to God, God, do something, change this, help me. But the Bible says that the more they are afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. See, David said it this way, it was good that I was afflicted. It was good, oh, I'm just gonna get really real here. It was good that I almost lost my mind. It was good that I lost my mind. It was good that I went through that low place in my life. It was good. It was good when I tasted death. It wasn't good when I went through it. but it taught me the statutes, David said. It taught me to know where my source really comes from. It taught me maturity, and I'm talking about growing up in the Lord. See, the, the whole purpose of where we are today in life is it's time to grow up. That you can't, you can't be an adult and, 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 and in your right frame of mind and still 
living like you've been a baby in the house. We gotta grow up. That means we're gonna have to go outside ourselves and live a little bit deeper and bigger and dream a little bit further and farther. Take some risks that you normally wouldn't take because you've burned your butt and you sit on a few blisters. It's okay. You gotta learn from them. When the children of Israel were in this field building these cities for all these other people, for Pharaoh and his people, there was something on the inside of them was going, I can't stay here much longer. I feel restricted. I feel like I got a ceiling over my life. I feel like I got a lid on top of me and, and, and I can't stay here anymore. But they weren't ready to revolt unless they had a voice that was gonna help them get out of the mess that they were in. But while they were in their affliction, they continued to grow. They continued to multiply. And the more that they were growing in their affliction, you looked over and Pharaoh was going, I'm seeing growth when they don't see growth. I don't know if you all know this or not, but your enemy sees more growth in you than you see in you and in your affliction. He's afraid, he's worried, he's concerned. If you ever get a hold of it, if you ever get into a battle, man, the last thing he wants you to do is know who you are. If he can keep you trying to manage your addiction, if he can keep you just managing your dysfunction, if he can just keep you in the middle of your situation and you just be okay with a little bit of progress rather than breaking the chains off and saying, I'm going to radically come out from this mess that I'm in. And I'm talking about reckless abandoning. I'm talking about the biggest thing that keeps us in the prison that we can find ourselves in is one thing. There's many things, but there's one big one. It's pride. What do people think? What are they gonna think of me? What if the, how can I be exposed of my weakness? What will they think? I have respect from them now. I'll lose respect for them if I tell them or they know or I come out. You've gotta be willing to seek freedom more than other people's opinion. Others of people, other people's opinion is your Pharaoh that keeps you in the confines of everyday prison. You're here going, God, what do I do? How do I do this? Yeah. And, and, and the biggest thing of all that, that, you, that we hear ourselves and we hide ourselves in is this, I've got it under control. You don't understand me when people are pointing stuff out going, man, you really, they see your imprisonment more than you see your imprisonment. You're in denial about the imprisonment. And the only reason they see it is because they want you to be free. And we think, God, they're just picking on me. They're just taking their time and talking about me. They're just, listen, I'm talking about persecution and I'm talking about affliction. I'm not talking about somebody talking about you. I'm talking about persecution. I'm talking about the thing that you can't fix and you're going, God, where are you? I'm not talking about a little bit of bellyache. I'm talking about the times when you're turned over into bed or on your knees and your heart is wrenching out from inside of yourself and knotted up in your gut and you're going, God, I can't even pray anymore about this. And you don't have the answers. And there's always good, some good Christian friend that's building cities for Pharaoh with you that always comes over and says, you're blessed and highly favored. You just want to backhand him as hard as you can. 
blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, blessed be the name of the Lord, but you don't understand what I'm going through. I'm losing everything I got, and I can't fix it. And all I keep hearing about is another story about the Bible, about how good God is, and I'm not seeing God good in my life. And here's the problem you run into, is that you know him so well, or just enough, that you're not gonna walk away from him. So you know he's got you. He's got you in the position where, God, you know I'm not going away. Then why don't you do something about this? I can't fix it, God. Where are you? That's affliction. What other people do to you, ah, but man, when it's something you've done to yourself and you can't fix it, that's affliction. Is that a word from the Lord? <laughs> what was that audible? Somebody reading the audio Bible? Okay. I had to, it wasn't King James, so I can't acknowledge it. <laughs> I'm just teasing. <laughs> I just made up my own as I was reading that scripture. Anybody know what I'm talking about though? You're in that position of life going, God, if you don't do something here, something's gonna, I'm losing my mind. I want you to think about this. Joseph died, his brothers were dead, and now you've got all these people here that heard all the stories about how good God was. Now they're working underneath this system that really they didn't create, but they're having to work in. And they're just looking for some freedom. God, give me. But the, but the enemy was afraid if they didn't put taskmasters over them and put the pressure on them and keep a pressure applied, they would not ever realize who they were. He did not want them to recognize that, hey, they're from the God of Israel, the God of Jehovah. If they ever understood that Joseph was in their lineage, if they ever understood that we don't have to live this way anymore, the last thing he wanted was them to ever realize they're not working for him. So they would keep them busy doing work while they stayed in their prisons. But a voice came along named Moses and said, go tell them I've heard their cry. I'm not so sure what kind of cry he heard other than the fact is there's more than life than what I'm living today. And he told him, come up out of this thing. And Moses brought him out. Let me fast forward. There was a man named Saul in, in, in Acts chapter eight. Jesus had just ascended. Peter had just preached on the day of Pentecost, stood up in the, in the, in the upper room and preached the entire gospel. There was two things that are similar in these stories. In Exodus, something was about to happen that was gonna radically change society and the church. Radically, there were people, it was a mass exodus from people coming out of bondage into a place for freedom. Radical change was taking place. A man came and gave him a voice and brought him out. What's similar to the book of Acts is there was a voice named Jesus that came, a word, the word, came while the church was in the same condition, imprisoned by the political and the governmental system, and here they were going, God, would somebody come and get us out of the mess we're in? Well, the voice comes, Jesus, brings them up out. This time it wasn't gonna be out of a physical location, it was gonna be out of a spiritual setting. The first one was a physical location from Egypt, taking them into the land of promise. The second one was bringing them out of a current life situation and taking them into a higher place of living. But the people under didn't understand. 
Many people were amazed going, what in the world? We know he's gonna be our new Moses that's gonna take us up out of here into another land where we're gonna have government, we're gonna overthrow Rome, we're gonna, and this is gonna be perfect here. We're gonna set up the government right here. Jesus says, you don't even know what spirit you're of. I'm doing something in your life that's bigger than Moses ever thought about doing. I'm taking you into a spiritual plane, a life of a sphere of influence, a dimension in life that they couldn't have ever gotten. But I'm gonna bring it and make it available to you. But you gotta know the pattern that Moses went through with the children of Israel is gonna be the same pattern that you go through. I'm gonna bring you and invite you from your land of imprisonment into a place of freedom where you have no ceiling over your head and no restrictions in your life and opportunity is unlimited. I'm gonna bring you there, but you gotta know that your enemy is not gonna be happy with what I'm bringing you to. And you gotta know that there's gonna be an affliction, there's gonna be persecution, there's gonna be problems, there's gonna be frustration, there's gonna be aggravation. If you think it's all a bed of roses, you're wrong. It wasn't a bed of roses for me, Jesus said, it's not gonna be a bed of roses for you. There's only one way to get the crown, it's going through the cross. The only way to get through freedom is to go through the affliction. The only way to go to life and resurrection life is to go through the death. That's the pattern. You gotta be willing to endure the process and the pain and the suffering and the affliction to get to the other side. I'm tired of hearing the messages of, it's all gonna be okay. It's all gonna be, there's gonna be things happening in your life that you can't explain. And you can't quit even though you can't explain them. You gotta love him even though he did, you don't understand, was it God, is this the devil or is this me? Do I bind this spirit or do I lose this spirit? Am I going forward or is, it a, is the addiction gonna take me out? or the addiction gonna take me in. I'm here to tell you, every problem, every dilemma, every affliction, every suffering, every heartache, every hurt, every pain, every turmoil situation that you're fighting yourself in is the vehicle to take you in, to get you out. What? How is that possible? Oh, it'd be nice if he would just rapture you out of your problem but I've never seen somebody get raptured out of their problem. It'd be nice if somebody just come along and write you a check. Pay them all. Be nice. What I've found is that that happens to somebody, they get themselves right back in the same mess because they didn't grow in their affliction. Oh, this is good. This is good, because you gotta be waking up in the morning and you gotta be willing to go and say, listen, my body's not wanting to cooperate, but my spirit is screaming to go forward. And you gotta listen to your spirit, not listen to your body. Your checkbook won't cooperate with giving. So you cooperate with your checkbook and cooperate with your spirit. You don't wanna smile today. You don't wanna be cheerful today. I don't feel like it. that has to line up with what your spirit is doing. See, in the process of the victory, let me just put it in perspective this way. Look at the country. It's a microcosm of the church. The country is a microcosm of the church. You got legislation and deregulation, a lot of things that are happening to try to deregulate a lot of things to make things simpler and easier to function in life, okay? That's happening. Then you've got all this other stuff that's happening out there uh, 
in, in the country that the stock market's going crazy, and things going through the roof. Um, you know, economics is high, unemployment rates down. Uh, people are starting to invest and spend confidence. Consumer confidence is at an all-time high uh, in the last several decades. So you got all this kind of momentum, it feels like, that people are going, yeah, here we go. But here's the issue, okay? If you don't have, as a country, if we don't have leadership or a voice in the leadership of the country that knows how to navigate when obstacles hit, knows how to fight back when needs to be fought back, knows how to pursue when we need to pursue and shut up when we need to shut up. If we don't have that voice, we will retreat back and the opportunity season will pass by and we'll just resort back to the way it used to be. Let me give you an example. Peter, James, and John, the Bible says in Acts, I read, everybody was scattered in Acts chapter eight. It says they were scattered all abroad except what? The apostles. Where were the apostles? The apostles were in Jerusalem. Why? Because that was the last time that place they saw Jesus. They were hanging on to the old way. Do you know Stephen wasn't mentioned until he got picked as a deacon? It wasn't the apostles that were out here. None of the apostles went to Samaria at that time. They were here, right here, protecting and preserving what they felt on the day of Pentecost. People will fight you for the way it used to be. They were comfortable there. But there was something in Philip that was different. Philip had just witnessed his buddy, Stephen, that was also a deacon. And Stephen just stood up and told him, hey, let me tell you what happened, guys. Let me tell you what happened. It was you that crucified that Jesus of Nazareth. It was you. He came to set us free and you crucified him. It's on you. That's on you. He didn't try to, there was no small talk. One of the biggest and best sermons in the entire scripture was only chat, one chapter. The rest of us take an hour to try to preach it. It was one chapter. He stood up and went, Moses, went through the whole story. Boom, boom, boom. And ended with Jesus and said, you all crucified him. You did it. The death is on you. They got mad and killed him. Killed him. And the man named Saul consented to Stephen's death. Consented. This is right. Why? Because he was protecting something he thought was right. He wanted, what did he want to do? He wanted to put all those people in prison. He went to house to house, tell them, you're going to go, you're going to jail, you're going to prison, you're going to prison. Why? Because we're afraid of you. If you really understand what's going on in history, you guys will start, start believing this message and then we're really going to have a problem. The same thing Pharaoh said to the children of Israel. If, they ever was, if there ever was a war, they're gonna realize who they are and there's more of them and they're more powerful than we are and we're gonna have a problem. They'll run us out of our own land. Paul says, Saul says, we gotta put them in prison because if they ever understand who they are, if they ever understand what's really taking place in history, there's more of them than there is us and they're more powerful than we are, we, we can't let this message spread. We can't let it. So Paul begins, Saul begins to isolate, pull them apart, and throw them, what? In jail. But here's what happened. The more he persecuted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Because Philip runs down to Samaria, and a revival breaks out. 
an amazing revival where people were getting set free. Demonic forces were being run out of town. Economies were being turned upside down. Things were happening that couldn't be explained. People that were getting were with palsies and people that were afflicted were, were actually being healed and set free. It was all happening right there in the midst of all of this. And it says that there was great joy in the land. How can there be great joy when Paul is putting all these people in prison? The Christians are being persecuted because there was momentum that was taking place that overcome the affliction and the persecution. I gotta get you to see this today. This is my mission and assignment this morning, is we've come out of the locker room. You're on the field of life. You're moving forward whether you know you're moving forward or not. And whether you understand that you are winning or not winning is not the issue today. The issue today is you're winning whether you know it or not, you just can't quit. You can't stop, you can't retreat, you can't hide, you can't, no. And the way you've always done it can't be the way you're gonna do it today. Don't hold on to just trying to manage your own way. You can't manage your own way. Listen to me. If you need recovery ministry, put your pride down and get in recovery. If you need marital counseling, put your pride down and get in marital counseling. If you need somebody to pray for you because your body's hurting or you need medical help or you need to go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Are you with me? This is not mind over matter. This isn't fake it till you make it. This is make it so you don't have to fake it. This, this is just moving forward in the everyday life. But here's what happens. The minute you don't begin to deal with those stuff, when the afflictions start hitting, you have one option. It'll wear you down. It'll take you out of the game and it'll put you over here on the sideline and before you know it, you start feeling sorry for yourself again. And when one day goes by, two days go by, three days go by, two weeks go by, three weeks go by, two months, you've lost your momentum that you had two or three months before. The minute you begin to feel like quitting is the time you have to push harder. And the only reason you're pushing is not to push through, it's because the vision that you have is greater, is pulling you through. Don't lose sight of the freedom that he has for you. And if it don't work, you gotta keep going. If you, if you don't see it happen like you think it should happen, don't write it all down on a storybook and say, God, here's the execution, could you just please do this for me? Because his ways are better than our ways. Don't short circuit the process so you don't grow. See, you can kill the affliction or the affliction can kill you. And how you kill the affliction and the persecution is one way. I'm not quitting. You outlast it. You outlast it. Well, what if I die and go into heaven? Is that a punishment? What, what if, man, what if, what if it just, the bottom just falls out and I just, I lo- no, the only thing you're gonna lose and the bottom falls out is your pride. Oh my. This is grown up talk. I should have, I should have gave a, quali- or a disclaimer. Spiritual 18-year-olds and under, you're just not probably welcome in here today. 
This is grown-up talk because you've got to be willing to go through that process. Here's how you're going to know. Do you have joy in your life in the midst of your affliction? I'm not talking about you're just not happy. I'm talking about is there some, is, is there some sort of level of excitement about the future? That's joy. If you have some, some level of hope about your future, there's joy. But if you're consumed with your problems, there is no joy. And where there is no joy, there is no strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Yesterday, we were playing basketball at coaching at the Y. And Caden's team, the older kids were playing. This kid named Kyler, big boy, big old boy, man. He, he's, a, he's a tackle, but, he, but he's a forward on a basketball team. And he got this rebound. And when he got this rebound, and it was a 10 tense game. I mean, it was just going back and forth, and it was just intense. And you can see frustration coming out in the kids because there were just lots of non-calls in the game. They were letting them play. And he got this rebound. He starts going. And this kid just tackled him. I mean, this kid was a big kid. Tackled him. Took him down. And I looked over on the sideline, and I thought, and I got ready to go into the, because I knew what was coming. Oh, Kyler jumps up. When he jumps up, he starts going after this kid. And the coach beside me went, we got to stop him. And I said, no, let him go. Watch this. And Kyler can go after him like that. Kyler gets up in his face like this. And he went back to hit him. The man, he was going to hit him. And I'm going, he deserves it. <laughs> so as he got back to go back further, I thought, oh God, we're going to have to jump in this now. <laughs> so he went back further, further like this. And all of a sudden I went, I can't kind of win. <laughs> I got the rebound and you got the foul. Walked off, right? I got the rebound and you got the foul. Watch that, all right? Like that, I went. And the coach beside me there said, oh my God. I said, yeah. He said, did you know he was gonna do that? And I said, I just had this feeling. <laughs> I looked up the Lord and I went, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I thought we're gonna have a, <laughs> it's a, finals of the, on Saturday, it's, going about, it's about to go down. And it was going bad. And I mean, he, I got the rebound, you got the foul. What's this? The kid got get the foul, so Kyler gets to get on shoot two shots, all right? Now, Kyler comes off on the sideline after a time. And I said, man, what made, you, what made you do that? What made you? He said, man, I want to rip that kid's head off. Said, he said, but something told me, I got the rebound, he got the foul. And I thought, are you available tomorrow at 11 o'clock? I'd like for you to preach tomorrow <laughs> at 11 o'clock serving. Because, you know, that's the message. You take my head off, you knock me down. And Tyler, I mean, Tyler, he was bruised. I mean, he was, it was red marks all over his leg where he had slid across the front. And he got up, he was going after him. And he caught himself and went, oh, I see what's happening. For a moment, he didn't get caught up in the emotion. He got caught up in the big picture. And when you're going through stuff this week, stay focused on the big picture. You got the rebound. The enemy got the foul. 
Stand with me. All right. Here's where I am right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to do a real traditional thing right here real fast, okay? Real traditional. No one's looking around. I want to know whose heart is beating right now that wants to get saved and needs change in your life, transformation in your life, and you need to get saved. Or maybe you're saved and you're just not free in any capacity and you're bound and the thing I talked about is there and it keeps you in this in prison and your pride or your, or, or your self-awareness or whatever it is, self-reliance perhaps, is just keeping you there. Is there anybody in here today that wants to come outside of that imprisonment that you're feeling and not gonna care about what anybody thinks? Just raise your hand. I see one. Anybody else? Anybody else? Two? Not gonna care what people think. I need you to step out of your seat, both of you. One guy, one lady, and I need a guy and a lady to come up here and pray. And here's what we don't want today. That's what I told Steph when she was gonna say, I don't want you to sing a song, but they're gonna applaud today. I need you to take us in somewhere. We don't need a token prayer for both of them to come up today and just, just hug them and, pro- to- and then they go back into their cell. I'm talking about somebody that can touch heaven with them and pray. The rest of you, let me pray for you. I'm excited about what God is doing because I see the maturity level that we're all walking into. I can see it. And he's preparing us to be stewards over much greater things than you've ever had in your life some of the greatest assets that you've ever thought you would ever have. And I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about assets of joy and peace, righteousness, in the spirit, those kind of things. You're gonna, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get, and those inheritances are coming your direction. But that doesn't mean you're not gonna have problems. It doesn't mean we're gonna have things that just make us go to our knees. And some things you're not gonna have answers for. But you don't have to have those answers. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt, it hurts. That just means you're not gonna quit. You have to keep going forward. And though we may not ever understand why the afflictions we had to go through, we went through. I promise you, you'll live long enough to realize he loves you in spite of those afflictions. I promise you. Tonight when we come back together, we have our no-show dinner. It's gonna be a lot of entertainment, a lot of food, and a lot of, a lot of, relationship connecting. Business owners, farmers, recovery ministry is going to launch tonight and connection is going to happen. All co- motorcycle guys are going to connect together. If you ride a bike, we're all going to connect people together tonight, okay? And, and like passions or affinity kind of groups that have like passions, all right? If you just like to study the Bible, we're going to connect you to other people who like to study the Bible, okay? So I want you to come back tonight prepared to eat, laugh, have fun, and connect with other people. And if you would, whoever wants to stick around for a few moments afterwards, go separate some chairs and put up some tables. Just Pam will be here at the front um, at the end, okay? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Sometimes, God, we get so caught up in the fight that we're ready just to do whatever it takes to get the victory. And we lose sight, God, that you're a, a God that's in every area and you're seeing things that we don't even see. And sometimes, God, we get the wind knocked out of us. And it hurts and it's painful. We can't explain it, 
But God, we're not gonna lose our eyes and sight off of you. You're faithful, you're just, you're righteous, you're holy, you're good. We're confident in you, we have faith and trust in you. So God, would you just lift the burdens from your people today? Allow them to see more clearly of who you really are and what you're doing in their life. Let the vision of their life that you have given them become more clear. Let them be relentless in their approach to you. God, that they, they look down on those afflictions. They see those persecutions and those moments that are just kind of sometimes headaches and heartaches. They just look down on them realizing they're just small speed bumps in the, the context of their life. They're not things that are gonna take them out. They're things that are gonna take them in and they're gonna take them out. Take them into the thing of God and out of the bondage into the freedom. So Father, I just release them into the areas of life, God, that you call them to be. Lord, open up those windows of opportunity that are greater than we can ever imagine. We thank you and we embrace all of those things as we become more like you, transformed into your image, walking into your kingdom, that Jesus Christ be glorified, that Jesus Christ be lifted up, and the world will know that we belong to you and you belong to us. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you all.